This is The Dog Days with Ollie Scott, Junior Elstal and Ian McKenzie. Hello, hello. We are we are live on uh, Dog Days FM. I'm not going to mention which episode this might be. It could be 12, it could be 436, but um, we are we're privileged to be joined by Mr. Tony Wrighton. Um, Tony, first of all, how you doing, mate? You okay? Very good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. nice to nice to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. No, no, it's, it's, uh, it's good to see your face. And this is, I think, this is 10 months in the making, this. Um, I've... I was going to say, Ollie's been badgering you for a long time. <laughs> it's been ages. It? I'm sorry it's taken so long, but, you know, it was lockdown that made it happen, let's just I'll, say I'll, that. I'll take that as a, as, as a yeah. fair enough excuse. But I tell you what, we, interestingly, I, you came through one of our very popular guests, which was Andy Ramage. Um, originally, I reached out to him because I read his book, and then he said, actually, there's someone way better than I am. Um, I've just been on his podcast. His name's Tony Wright, and it's called Zestology. And so he, he described what you were doing, and I was like, do you know what, Andy? I think you're right. This sounds way more interesting than you. Uh, ah. <laughs> and then he became available, and now he's obviously been on here three times. Oh, um, brilliant. Well, hopefully I can come on three times. Well, I really like Andy, and I love the way you pronounced his surname as well. Well, he's um, changed it. It's a rebrand, because <laughs> it oh, was it? Ramage. From yeah. Is he Ramage. now Ramage? Yeah, yeah. He's Ramage from Dargan. It's ever since he's written his new book, Let's Do This, he's gone, actually, Ollie, would you mind calling it um, Ramage? It's, uh, it's Ramage. classic. Um, but look, there are so many things that I want to get started and talking to you about. I guess um, just giving you a better introduction, the reason why I found this so interesting is you've kind of, you've come from a similar school of, of self-improvement, but it started a few years before Ian and I. Um, not only do you have your, your podcast, which is called Zestology, which is, I mean, the last time I checked, you've interviewed over 320 or 350 people now on biohacking, which if you're not aware of the term, I'm not really, you know, I can't define it. However, from what I understand, it's hacking into your life in all areas, be it sleep, relaxation, meditation, confidence. Um, another area is, is something that you've focused on, which Ian and I have got this kind of undying slash unresearched uh, intrigue, which is NLP. Um, I looked at your website. I'm convinced every successful person knows what NLP yeah, is. Yeah, it feels like there's this deep underlying dark underworld secret. And, and I think this is going to be the first the first episode where we dive in, hopefully, because I saw on your... It's the NLP Illuminati. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but there I saw on the site you've gone into detail. You know, you, you are... You're a master of NLP in terms of a practitioner, whereas yeah. it, it feels like some of the guys you met before have kind of gone into a little bit and they've learned the basics and then kind of stepped away. So if we have time, and hopefully we do, we can move on to that. Um, and then I, I kind of want to go through, obviously, you know, crazy not to mention where we are right now. We're in, you know, week three or four of lockdown. Um, people are trying all different things from stockpiling bog roll all the way through to home workouts with Joe Wick. So I think anything that we can withdraw from your brain of, of 350 interviews with biohacking um, now would feel like such a brilliant and relevant time to do that. So I know that you've got so much condensed information that you already have a newsletter, which is amazing, and I'm subscribed to. But yes. Ian and I are going to try and cream off at least three key things that we can kind of implement to you know today, or if not, after all of this kind of passes. So that's enough from me. I guess I wanted to kind of start with saying... You know, you're a Sky Sports presenter. You've written God knows how many books. You've got this Zestology podcast. Why and where did this all start for you? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the NLP. I've been doing that for about 15 years. It stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming for anybody okay. who hasn't heard of it. And um, I started off as an NLP practitioner, which is a kind of one level. And then I became a master practitioner. And then I became a trainer trainer, which is actually the highest that you can train in NLP. Um, and part of the reason that I did it was because at the time I was a radio presenter. Obviously, as you say, I work on Sky now, but I used to be a radio presenter. And I was quite interested in it from a kind of therapeutic personal perspective. I've always been interested in wellness and getting the best out of my stuff. But I was also interested in how I could improve my language, how I could become a better communicator on, on my radio show at the time. I presented up in Manchester on Century FM, which went out because kind of Manchester, Liverpool and the Northwest. Um, and I started using these techniques, these NLP linguistic techniques, surreptitiously on Ooh. my show. Um, so as you say, the NLP Illuminati, but with the sole purpose, or three purposes really, to get people to feel better about listening and to get them more engaged about and to get more... Yeah, yeah, and to get the, get more people listening as well. Um, and after a couple of months, so there was one day where I laid on the techniques really thickly and the boss called me into his office. And he sat back in his chair and I thought, I've, I've really blown it here because I've just I've been going to town with the neuro-linguistic programming. And he said, I don't know what you've done, but your listening figures have gone through the roof. 
And this is an absolutely true story. I started using these linguistic techniques and my radio listening went so much up that I overtook, I was on the drive time show at the time and I overtook the breakfast show, which never really normally happens in radio. But I mean, the breakfast guy was livid. But um, <laughs> but I was there and, it was, and I think it was because I was using these linguistic techniques. So that's why I first realised that there was really something in this. And that was just at the kind of the first few months of me learning about it. What, what triggered the learning? So obviously, you know, NLP and, and going into actually being a coach yourself, I can imagine, um, is a bit of a journey. But what, what kind of triggered that moment for you to go, OK, look, I want to... OK, the radio show is one, one thing to focus on, but were there anything, you know, was there anything personally that you were going through that you wanted to personally improve on there and then that it kind of led you to do quite quickly? Yeah, I mean, lots of stuff. And, and like, like everybody, I've had kind of plenty of ups and downs through my life and I know that your your podcast doesn't shy away from the down moments as well as the up and I, and I love that because I think you know um life isn't always a bed of roses isn't it and as mm. Josh Waitzkin is someone I really like he's a guy who, who was a famous chess player and he's a famous Tai Chi master and he says you don't want to meditate in a bed of roses you want to meditate meditate in the eye of the storm that's when it's really important you know mm. and so from a personal perspective I was I was very interested in learning NLP and just doing it for myself and as it turned out I work in a communication field where it was very helpful to learn linguistic skills at the same time so it was mainly personal that I started doing it and I've had plenty of benefits out of it as well okay do you have any examples of stuff that you said on air that that, that helps us understand what, what techniques you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, um, it, I would say that now it informs... And I think that the important thing about NLP is it's not it's just a set of skills for communicating better. It's not manipulation. And it's not like every time I meet anyone, I think, <laughs> right, I'm going to do this Jedi skill on them this time, and that <laughs> that will show them. Um, but uh, there's plenty of stuff based around, you know, for example, we would give, perhaps give away a holiday to the Caribbean on the on the radio station and other people were kind of reading out the, the, the kind of generic list of benefits of going on this holiday that they've been given by the station's management on a sheet and i was trying to use um the nlp uh language around visual auditory and kinesthetic experience to make it as rich and sensory as possible so people could really connect with you know the blue color in the sky and the warmth of the the kind of 30 degree temperature on your skin when you step outside your air-conditioned studio in the morning and the chi- the chirrup of the birds in the trees and that somehow allowed people to kind of connect with it a little bit better because i was just kind of thinking a bit more imaginatively about how to explain this holiday are there any subtle examples and sorry to to stay on nlp but i'm finding it so interesting are there any kind of subtle examples that you could use this system yeah uh, there's that i mean and this is obviously obviously um i i then went on to write three books about nlp uh with with virgin books and um, that was really fun. And the third one is called Persuade in a Minute. So there's confidence in a minute, yes. relax in a minute, and persuade in a minute. And so there's a lot of one-minute techniques that you can use to be a little bit more persuasive. I mean, I, I really like um, softeners and either-or questions. So if you've got a child that doesn't want to tidy their room, you could say to them, will you please tidy your room? And there's really two answers to that. It's yes or no. (laughs) And if they don't want to tidy their room, they're probably not going to. But if you say to them, I wonder if you want to tidy your room before or after dinner, (laughs) Um, then that's that's not really giving them the option to say no in quite the same way. Um, I also used a softener in that sentence there. So you you can have an order, make me a cup of tea. But you could use a softener in front of the order, or you could even use two or three softeners. Say, I, I wonder if you might perhaps make me a cup of tea. <laughs> and then you just leave a subtle pause between the three softeners. I wonder if you might perhaps, and then make me a cup of tea. <laughs> so that's Ooh, would you like to make me a cup of tea before or after I punch you in the face? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's going to work really well. <laughs> Digressing a little bit, and it's still on NLP. How, how in your industry being a uh, sky sports presenter looking at a prompter how, how do how do those tactics come in do you help with the scripts or anything any, well, i'm like very that? upset to hear you denigrate my oh. profession <laughs> looking looking at a prompter <laughs> no i did i didn't mean to put it down like that i i i, I know uh, you guys are more talented than the the, the players that do they read prompters, don't they? <laughs> we we do um, yeah that's no, fine we we do have auto cue 
Um, and some shows are quite heavily auto-cue and some shows don't have any auto-cue at all. And um, some shows we have auto-cue, but we don't use it. And it really depends on the time of day and what's going on. Um, at the moment, there's I mean, it's, obviously it's just a completely crazy time. We're actually embarrassingly really um designated as key workers because obviously we're not doing important work like people in the health service are mm. but the government are very keen to keep broadcasters on the air so we're still going um but it's a massively stripped back service and there's normally about 150 people in our studios and there's about 10 at the moment when, when we go in so wow yeah. how, how are you finding what kind of shows are you producing because obviously you're, you're quite sports focused yeah, um, yeah sports yeah live yeah. stuff to be talking about what, what do you focus yeah. on there's a lot of sports news at the moment because sports men and women and sports organisations are all affected by coronavirus. And actually, you know, sadly, I think a lot of sports, even certainly clubs, are probably going to go bust. Um, there's also this just eternal question which every sports fan is asking at the moment, which is what happens next? How do you bring the season back? How do you get fans back into a stadium again? There's so many unknowns. There's actually quite a lot to talk about. And then I think people are just enjoying the lighter side of sport, memories, uh, debate. That all still continues. You know, I mean, I, I know the things. I love watching Sky and I love watching Sky Sports. And there's other, I love listening to Six Music, for example. And I was just listening to Six Music with my lunch before I came up here to, to the attic at the top of my house and do this interview. And, you know, I, I really appreciate having that kind of normality on in the background when everything else is so unnormal. Yeah. I think, I think it's definitely, you know, I was speaking to my friend that works at BT Sports. There's been talk of 6th or 7th of June returning back to non-fan stadium games and that kind of stuff. It just shows you, because yeah. everyone goes, it's, it's not an essential thing to get back on. But I think it, it really is. It's, it's embedded particularly within British culture. Like, Ian and I were saying back to the summer of 2018, the England-Sweden final yeah. in, the, in the World Cup, there was not a better day. Um, and it's just like, even, you know, just remembering what that was like, even though it was only, what was it, you know, four months, four weeks ago since we could last do it, it feels like it's been ripped away. So I can imagine in yeah. any form, people will take it. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, and it is, everyone is talking about it, aren't they? And, and there, but then there are still so many unknowables. If they do come back at the, on the 6th of June, what happens if it's behind closed doors, but then they find out that three players from one team have got coronavirus? You know, do the matches still go ahead? Do they pull them out for two weeks? Um, how do you keep people safe? Obviously, that's the main priority. Uh, is it unfair if one team is completely laid low with the virus and all the other teams are fine? So many unknowables. I don't know if you've seen, though, the, um, I, I love darts. That's one of the sports that I've presented live and, and uh, I, I love watching it. And I, I know some of the darts players as well. And they are actually one of the few sports where you don't actually necessarily need to be in the same room to play so they've just launched today the at home pdc darts league where the players are going to be playing each other via video link it's such a good idea do you get like a group zoom call where everyone's holding up like fuck david in the background a sort of thing or like, how are those guys going to get involved yeah well that i think i think they definitely should have zooms of people at home holding up signs and drinking yeah. beers at the same yeah. time <laughs> amazing well look you know I, i'm you know it's, it's very interesting to hear i guess what's happening in the professional world but i guess i'm i'm really keen to focus quite um quite a bit around you know what you've just been discovering on the zestology, zestology podcast how yeah. by the way how many times do you record that is is that sort of a once a week thing and, and when did you start doing that so um i was in the radio and i was doing the nlp and then i got the job at sky sports and i joined there at the end of 2006 so I've been there quite a long time now I left a little bit in the middle when I got the book deal um and I went on holiday in uh 2014 start of 2014 I got very sick I went to the Philippines and I got a virus you know it's very interesting that we're all talking about virus now I was laid low by a mystery virus so much so that I had to go and see a neurologist five times and I was in bed for three months and I wasn't able to go to Sky. I wasn't able to do anything. And the neurologist said to me, it wasn't actually that comforting, but he said, look, there are just some viruses that medicine, we know these viruses exist, especially in the jungle, but we haven't coded them. We haven't worked out what they are. And you've had that and you're now suffering post-neurological symptoms. Wow. Um, so I didn't have any energy. And at that point when I didn't have any energy, I thought it'd be really great to start getting back to full health to use my kind of broadcasting background and my NLP background in a slightly different way and talk about energy so that that was where it all started so energy is the focus right because I think there are so many elements of 
self-improvement that one can focus on. I guess then again, it's, it's the one thing that you can't argue that everybody would want more of. Everybody would love more energy. And I mean, I'm trying to think unless you were, unless you're a Springer Spaniel, <laughs> then maybe we'll yeah. to dial it down. But there is, there's, there's very few people I think in the world yeah. that don't want to know how they can hack into that. You know, I think there are all these different fads that have gone around. I think, you know, we're starting to see the end of, of really bad fad diets or, you know, sugary yeah. drinks and stuff, energizers, things that are actually good for you that are going to give you more energy. And I think now more than ever, we've got such clear access to brilliant information of alternative therapies. I mean, Ian and I have spoken to quite a few different people that, you know, from whether it's Wim Hof breathing all the way through to different yogic practices, there are so many different things that you can try. And I'm not going to try and get you to go through 400 or however many people that you've met with um, to focus on, but how do you break it down? So which kind of pillars do you look at to go, okay, I want to be as energetic as as, as possible. Um, When you're feeling low energy... I guess about another question could be, which three things would you look at to go, okay, am I doing those three things? Yeah. Oh, you're right about energy. It is just the kind of the root of everything. And when you've got bags full of energy, you feel like you can achieve so much. It's, mm. it's it, Life is so much easier. Um, and it, it leads to motivation as well, I think. I was really annoyed about a year ago. I was driving along the A4 near here and I saw a massive billboard poster for LucasAid and it said, Energy beats everything. And I thought, oh, that's quite a good slogan. I could have used that. But anyway, they thought of it first. Shame so, it's um, on a sugary drink. <laughs> yeah, I know. Shame it's on a sugary drink. I then I then actually went and checked the uh, the ingredients for LucasAid. And I couldn't believe how much sugar was in it. I thought, yeah. that's going to give you energy for about 10 minutes and then a massive crash. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so, what, so what you're asking is kind of what are the things that I do for more energy? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a mix of the really boring stuff that we all know works but isn't a particularly kind of glamorous recommendation, the things like, you know, really optimising sleep as yeah. much as possible, definitely getting loads of exercise, which is quite hard at the moment, and then a mix of the slightly more fun stuff that some people might not do, like I, I all sorts of different supplements that I take. Um, lucky enough to have an infrared sauna in the garden, which is ridiculous but just amazing for energy. I've also got one of the infrared lights, the Juve lights as well. Um, so yeah, lots of different stuff really. But um, okay. I mean, it is probably Can quite. We break the sleep de- What's that? Sorry, got, sorry, I yeah. thought you'd finish. Yeah, I'm still learning how to how to um, to do this properly. <laughs> um, could you could you break? We're, we're all learning. Don't so worry. We have, we, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we um, yeah sleep. We've we've spoken about sleep before, but I guess it'd be good from your um, opinion just to break down that a little bit more, a little further yeah i mean look so like so like how how would you go about optimizing your sleep it's look firstly i don't think i'm the world's great sleep expert um and i found it harder over the last year and a half to get my sleep right than for a long time that's partly because i've got a 13 month old um Uh and it's partly because in the last month or so we're all so overstimulated by the news i mean i know it is not the right thing to do to check my phone in the middle of the night but i have to say that the night that boris went into intensive care i did and it's not and that's not the only night that i've checked my phone recently because we're all so overstimulated by what's Mm -hmm. going on it's like oh my god what now i better check i mean so so that's not ideal but um (laughs) you, you know fairly basic sleep regime of routine and um, wearing blue blocker uh, glasses an hour before bed, which is, I've got some here actually. So these are really good ones. I really like them. They're actually my partner. Oh, whoa. It's like Kanye West's um, first album. Yeah, but they're not, but like most blue blockers look like lab glasses. So I think these are slightly better. Um, Wow. And these these are meant to stop this, I guess, retinal stimulation of the phone screen or a TV screen. Yeah, do you not wear blue blockers? No. Ollie, don't you have some... I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I I was once seeing a girl, Tony. You do have some You want to know this. I do. I've got a pair that are... They're not as as groovy as those. I'm not sure if if the girl that I was seeing would have forced me to wear them as much as she did. But um, she quite liked the look of me in them. And uh, I wore them quite a few times. And then we broke up. (laughs) So I didn't wear them ever again, Tony. I'm a little bit burnt (laughs) by the whole idea. Yeah. Yeah. Not as burnt as my retina, though. Um, But those... The ones you had looked more... Like virgin on fashion. Yeah, my, like I think my, my, my not, not to say those don't. <laughs> I'm about to have another attack. I've already attacked yeah. your, your teleprompter. <laughs> yeah. But th- those ones look more practical rather than um, yeah, yeah, than, than fashionable. Yeah. They're, they're good, and I, yeah. I do also have these, which are uh, I can't remember which company this is anyway. But these are fifty percenters. 
Oh, so yeah, that's, a little yeah. bit more, a little bit more socially acceptable. More in bachelory, yeah. For the purpose of the, for the, of the audio, you can see that Tony is wearing some wonderful things that almost looks like you might chop down a tree. Um, <laughs> okay, fine. So that, yeah. I mean, I've, I, I like, I, I don't want to stay too much on sleep because I think it is, you know, it is really important. But I also think it's a really incredibly individual journey that people go on, and every yeah. time it feels like we've we've sought advice with sleep, fifty percent lands with me. And the other fifty percent lands at the end because I think we approach it quite differently, and it's it yeah. is a, it is quite a personalised thing. I think um, I, I'm all you know, and again, I know that Ian doesn't want to stay too long on, on, on the sort of diet stuff, but I'm really intrigued that you are also a keto fan. Um, I, for me, it works. I, I've I've sort of shifted over to that and trying to have less sugar. But is there any sort of specific reasons to why you moved over to that to energise you, or is that just what you found is your, your the best diet for you? Yeah. Before you answer that, just for further context, it's not that I don't want to speak on uh, on food. It's keto in particular is one which uh, sometimes roughs people's feathers up. So I know it's quite it's a quite a specialized diet. So um, I'm happy to talk about diet, but just keto I know is is one that some people sort of advocate for. Some people um, say it's it's not sustainable. It's a waste of time. So that's yeah. just the the context on that. Yeah. I mean, I, like, and I I think both of your kind of uh, perspectives are valid and ones that I've been at on various points. I think one of the nice things about the podcast is it's a chance, it's a bit of a journey and it's a chance mm. for me to kind of go and try different stuff and it sounds like it's that's exactly the same with, with you guys as well. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. 100%. I was keto for quite a long time um, and I'm now not keto, I'm low carb and that actually makes me feel a lot better. I'll tell you what it was with keto. Um, I I actually lost too much weight which I know will annoy a lot of people, but um, but I just, you know, I, I want to gain weight, if anything. I mean, muscle, not yeah. fat, but I found with keto, I was like really quite slim. And now I find that I can eat pretty much whatever I like, you know, and it's certainly not a kind of, it's, it's certainly not a perfect diet, but it's generally low carb. I generally stick to fairly bulletproof principles. During lockdown, I have discovered the wonders of cassava flour, which is a fantastic thing to bake with. And it's very low carb and low GI as well. So it's just brilliant. It's so good. I made some kind of um, low carb scones with cassava flour the other day and they were fantastic. Um, and that seems to work fairly well. And I tell you what, sometimes, you know, I mean, I can, I've been eating so much during lockdown. I'm sure you guys yeah, have yeah. as well, because it's just because what else are we? I mean, we talk about what we're going to eat about three days in advance at the moment. Um, yeah. but I never seem it's to put on weight. Peak of our days, Tony. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, intermittent fasting, I think, really helps with weight management for me. I mean, I don't need to worry about it, and I just seem to, you know, if I'm for 16 hours not eating and fasting and intermittent fasting for the rest of it, if some days there's more cassava scones or whatever else scones it might be, then it seems to be okay. But that's mm-hmm. the one that really works for me, intermittent fasting. And, and just, and just for, the kind of, for anyone that doesn't understand that, I mean, I because it sounds very glamorous and hard to do, what for me it means is just missing breakfast. I don't know if you're the same, or, or you know, at least it's shortening a window for eating, but yeah. it's, pros- it's probably the easiest thing I've found to stick to. Um, I just have, like you mentioned, a bulletproof coffee, which in my eyes is just coconut oil and, and an instant coffee. Um, that will get me through energy-wise until about 12 or 1 o'clock, and I'll eat then. And I, I've not struggled with that. I've not struggled with that shift at all. And I'm, I think I'm similar to you on the keto front, just to quickly segue into keto very quickly because we'll come out of it. But it, I think I've done the same thing. I've, I've gone, Jesus Christ, this is really, really boring if you just do this um, and really hard to stick to. And actually, you lose so much fat and weight quickly. It, it didn't feel natural so I've gone, you know, similarly to you into a sort of low carb, I have carbs when I need to do a long, long distance run or, or heavier exercise. Um, but at the moment, we're not moving as much as we usually do. So that, that's, that's really suited me as well. I found. Yeah, I mean, actually, carbs in the evening as well. Um, I think it mm. just suits me well. I like it. And apart from the fact I like it, um, I I think it probably suits my physiology and helps me to sleep better as well. I know I I interviewed Ben Greenfield, who's, you know, fairly prominent biohacker in the kind of health and wellness space. And he was like, yeah, I eat loads of carbs in the evening. I was like, great, I'll do that as well then. Yeah, this is really reassuring because honestly, we listen to, and this is the purpose of this podcast. There are so many confusing people that are shouting at us, telling us what to eat and what not to do. And it's really reassuring speaking to someone that's interviewed doctors, dietitians, and all that kind of stuff. And you've ended up kind of in a similar place to where Ian and I are sort of sitting from a diet perspective, which is 
You can eat what you want. Try and exercise and move as much as possible. Here are a few things that will help you do that. Vary it if you can do. By the way, carbs aren't the devil. Pizzas are lovely. Um, just don't eat them every day. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, it's weird. I feel like maybe it's my personal journey, but I've gone on a bit of a an arc of you know, yeah. not giving a fuck to really, really caring to this is actually really bad for my own mental health. Or actually, yeah. if I just find an equilibrium, yeah. I'm sort of okay. Um, well, that's that's particularly interesting you say that because actually I do probably check ingredients more than 98% of the population. And I do avoid things like vegetable oils and, and you know, sugar when, when necessary. And I do probably eat quite an unusual diet compared to most people. I certainly take more supplements as well. Mm. But, you know, one of the things you would talk about with NLP um, is kind of why I got into it and what kind of things you could take away. And weirdly, one of the things that I've really taken away from NLP is that a lot of people in this kind of health space and in the NLP space are drawn there because of the, the need to feel like they can control as much as possible in their environment. You know, biohacking is all about what can I control to get the extra 1%? How can I be 10% happier and so on? And one of the things that probably the thing that helped more than anything else when I got ill with this virus was um, I went to uh, see this guy who specializes in tapping in emotional freedom therapy. He started tapping all over my face and I was like, what is this? But you know, he specialized in fatigue at the same time, which is why I've been to see him. And I was off work. I wasn't working at Sky. I really needed what he had to say. And the essential message was, it's really hard for people to acknowledge, but when they get seriously ill, like you have, part of it is what's going on in their head. And for you, you're thinking so much about being ill, you're making yourself more ill. And if you stop trying to, because I was staying up until five o'clock in the morning, consulting Dr. Google for 15 hours a day, you know, worrying about what it was that was going on, trying to diagnose myself. And he said, when you start to let go and do less and stop controlling it, like you were talking about with, you know, not controlling the pizzas and, and so on, actually, that can be better for you. I mean, Actually, sitting on a beach in Barbados drinking rum punches all day is probably better than biohacking for 16 hours a day and being on Google until three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I think I it's quite an interesting point that transcends away from not even just viral illnesses, but this is really random to reference this. But I remember once I, when I had a Veruca, I just kept obsessing over it every day trying to come up with a remedy and uh, tried everything. And it was caused, I kept feeling the pain a lot. And then um, I remember just like deciding, I was. I can't be bothered to think about this anymore. And naturally, over like two weeks, your body just disposes of it. Mm. But that happens with a lot of things. I feel like injuries, personal injuries, when you think about them, they just the, the pain just doesn't go away. Is, yeah. is there a method to that, Tony? Because I and, and just to go on a little bit of a tangent, we've dipped in and out of you know being interested in NLP and not. And there's a thing that both Ian and I've watched, which I know that you've referenced before in one of the podcasts, which is called the Secret. Now, I'm I'm reading a book by Darren Brown, who is he's a Stoic. He's you know he's very philosophical. He's you know read Marcus Aurelius and all the brilliant philosophers and stuff have kind of led his work of magicianry and understanding um, how our brains work and our behaviours. And he's written a book called Happy. It's actually really interesting. Yeah. Um, just kind of speaking about, I think it said how more or less of anything is is actually really okay and doesn't matter. I forget what the line is now, but. One of the things, and there's a big chapter where he speaks about the secret, where it's it it basically takes away how it can be quite um, catastrophizing, if that's a word, because the worst part of the secret, the best part of the secret is that it gives you a chance to kind of focus on your goals and look to achieve them, and then you kind of yeah. claim that the, the the universe is moving everything else around, you know, for you because your belief on this thing is so strong that it's going to happen. the The negative is that if it doesn't happen it's because you didn't believe enough, which is, in a really weird way, quite an evil way of writing a book. It's, it's a very luxurious place to sit in. It's like, well, if you know, it doesn't work for you, it's your fault, right? Um, so I just, I guess it, I wanted to learn if there was a takeaway from that that you've discovered with, it's almost a blend between NLP and stoicism, right? Where it's kind of going, the less I think and worry about how much I control this, the more likely it is to happen. But on the NLP side, it's, these things can lead to a better out, better outcome. Do you do you find yeah. that your kind of your way and whether it, you could take us through one of the things like calm in one minute or confident in one minute? Is there anything that you've taken from both of those practices? And when I say both, I mean sort of the stoic mindset, which is you know hardships and and that kind of thing, and then the this yeah the the NLP secret sort of style. Do you find there's a mid ground in any of your sort of practices? 
Yeah, I mean, that's... Um, I think it's very interesting that, you know, quite clearly, if you write on a piece of paper, I'm going to earn a million pounds tomorrow and put it in your shoe and do nothing else, it's not going to happen, however much you believe it might, and, it, you're, and you're likely to be fairly disappointed about it. But also, you know, what... Um, what you manifest in the mind becomes reality in plenty of different ways. And, and especially, the, you know, Ian, you talk about the Veruca, the link between the mind and the body. That, that might sound quite out there for a lot of people, but the physical symptoms are often a manifestation of what is going on in the mind. If you are super stressed for hours on end, it will manifest itself in some ways. If you don't express grief properly, and this is particularly relevant at the moment, it will manifest in physical trauma symptoms. Um, and I think with The Secret, I what I like about it is the fact that it's it appeals to the right brain and I'm very left-brained. But I have a friend who's a sports psychologist, one of the world's top sports psychologists, and he says, you know, all that stuff about The Secret is really great. And he works particularly in the area of golf. He says, the problem is that not everybody I work with is going to win the Open Championship. So there has to be something else apart from that. And he's developed this thing called Little Victories, which is where, you know, at the end of the day, you write down three things that work well for you. It's such a simple kind of journaling technique, but it's a way of um, uh, a kind of a positive affirmation of what you've done that, that day and celebrating little wins, which you need every day on the way to your big goal. Mm -hmm. So he, he'd be like, you know, make the big goal, but make sure you congratulate yourself for the little wins. There's also like it's also really nice to focus on stuff that went well at the end of the day. And it's a in NLP terms, we would call it a reframe because you might say, That was such a shit day. But then someone says, What are three things that went well? <laughs> what did you do well? And then you think, actually, yeah, maybe I did cook a nice meal and, you know watch something good on Netflix. This is my lockdown life at the moment, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and then, oh, yeah, there were a few good things about today. So, you know, that's, that's, that's the concept behind the little victories that he talks about. I really like that. I think, and I can definitely, I've started doing a thing with my girlfriend recently, yeah. which is rather than ask how was your day, which is that mundane question that you can ask, and it can trigger so many different things. Like, it was fucking terrible, I hate this thing. Da -da -da -da. Just a quick one is, what, what did you learn today? Or, like, what did you enjoy? If you can get someone else to ask you that question, I think it's been yeah. it's quite helpful. Or even if you can ask yourself, I... Similarly to how you've described, I always find myself writing down, what's the Tim Ferriss thing where it was like three things that you're thankful for and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think it does help. It's, it's good to know because I think, you know, we have a friend that used to like look in the mirror and repeat all this stuff and like, you know, you will be a millionaire, you are successful and like all those weird little affirmations and stuff. It just, for most of my English friends, it just doesn't, it's not a thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's repulsive. It's oh, so and we really want this, you know, for, especially for our listeners who are a little bit more. I'm going to say the word realistic, uh, or just British. <laughs> um, just you know, finding that the the more kind of humble and uh, relatable ways to celebrate the wins in life that might lead to a bigger goal, which kind of brings us quite nicely onto onto now. Um, you know, we're week four, it's it's lockdown. There are very, very small things happening in our lives that we can celebrate. Um, you haven't got to give us, you know, Gandhi advice here, but I guess I'd just love to know what your... That's lucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the easiest place to start maybe is how, how are you approaching your days? You can either do as taking us through when you wake up or like how are you experiencing your days and how are you trying to make them better for yourself that somebody could perhaps draw inspiration from? Yeah. I mean, the first thing is I look in the mirror in the morning and I think the lockdown hair is just completely out of control. It's looking sexy, man. Um, you know, I, I'm, I am, remember, I am an anchor man and the hair is very important to me and I'm very worried about what's going to happen. It looks and, a lot better uh, than Ron Burgundy's. You're doing well, mate. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, but this is like, this is the growing out phase. Soon it's going to be the growing down phase mm. and that's going to be pretty, pretty traumatic. I must also apologise because obviously I am still working at Sky and this, this, this spare room is absolutely shambolic. That's my suits from Sky in the background <laughs> that I decided to bring home so there was less things that I had to touch when I, get, when I go to work and get changed. Put it on. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I like to um, wear shorts at all times when I'm not on air. 
Um, Lucky Ian does pants, so that's 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 thankful. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I wore jeans. Now it feels nice <laughs> to not have worn jeans for a long lovely, time. Lovely, yeah. Well, when I the first few years, I mean, I don't know how if you guys have been watching Sky Sports for a while, but we used to be always sat behind a desk, and it was a fairly open secret that all the presenters were sat there with like suit top half, jeans and trainers bottom half, so and every nice. once in a while a pair of shorts would sneak in then as well. It was wonderful, <laughs> very freeing. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, um, yeah, so how am I dealing with it? I mean, actually, we had this conversation this morning because um, we've been going for our kind of morning walk every morning and a nice walk around Kew Green near where I live. And um, we were like, what are we going to do this weekend? And we kind of both looked at each other like, oh, yet again. And actually, we came to the decision that, you know, it is a chance to do all the things that we actually love doing and more of them. So I'm, I am meditating more than normal. I'm definitely cooking more than normal and reading. And I'm now actually exercising quite a lot more than normal as well. Combine that with more childcare than normal. And that's pretty much the day done. And that's good enough for me. The opportunity to exercise more than normal is a real revelation, actually. And um, I mean, I love going to the gym, but I fear for some gyms because I think a lot of people are really, I've been using this P-Volve online course. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's so good and you can customise the length of your workouts and it's very, very targeted. It's kind of like a cross between Pilates and a very targeted workout. Um, And I think I work harder on that than I do going to the gym. So I don't know if I'll go back to the gym. Um, So all those things that we love, doing more of them, Mm. that's my tactic for dealing with lockdown. Okay. It's not it's not Gandhi esque, your... is it? But it's, it's no, no, it's good. It, but it's so important, and it's it's you know it's the more simplistic stuff right now that I think is better than get up in the morning, do thirty press ups, meditate, have a bulletproof coffee, fucking beat up a little uh, whatever in the street. <laughs> <laughs> What's your uh, meditation practice? It's if you don't mind, um, so. yeah, not at all. I tend to alternate between. Um, transcendental meditation, which probably sounds posher than it is, um, but it's essentially closing your eyes in silence and repeating a mantra. And I also use Sam Harris's app called Waking Up, which is excellent as well. I really like it. Um, It introduces slightly different thoughts about consciousness. And it kind of, especially when your mind's wandering a lot, which mine is at the moment, it kind of keeps you on the straight and narrow a little bit. So that's, I, I went to a, I went to Thailand a couple of years ago with my, my girlfriend before we had the baby. And uh, we went, we were like, we can't just come to Thailand for a month and just go on holiday. We better do something worthwhile. So we went to a Buddhist monastery, dressed all in white, slept on the floor in separate rooms, got up at five o'clock in the morning to feed the monks, two meals a day at 5.30 <laughs> and 11 o'clock in the morning and learnt to meditate. Yeah. And it was absolute hell <laughs> it was really? dreadful i'm so glad yeah, you, said, you said feed the yeah, monks, feed the monks like they're in cages feed like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, feed the monks and then feed yourself and breakfast was rice and lunch was rice and that was it for the it's day just, i don't understand yeah. it. this is what i find right because you had this you know jay shetty bloke that was doing the rounds on instagram and i feel like there was this time where it was a bit like, my meditation's better than yours, my diet's better than yours, my workout's better. And if you're not doing 20 minutes in the morning and 30 in the evening, you're not meditating. You know, There's all of this kind of... I'm hoping that we're seeing a lot less of that now, that kind of like, yeah. you know, on LinkedIn, if you look at it, there was that, my morning routine, well, thanks for asking. I wake up at 4.30, yeah. you know, there's all this kind of like validation yeah. stuff that we do. And, yeah. and monks, I think the monk monastery meditation practice is probably the best example of that that's like the most historical example of meditation yeah. but we're in i similar we did a we did a vedic weekend with will williams meditation school um great and which was it was actually it's pretty, you know, it's pretty similar to transcendental isn't it transcendental yeah. it's the same thing you get a mantra and it's like 20 minutes morning 20 minutes evening well ian and i had to hold each other's hands whilst we um whilst good, we got sung to and, and, the, yeah. and the cut fruit <laughs> i was a little bit drunk if i'm honest it was a very strange experience uh, <laughs> it was tony it was pretty awful i i was taking it serious and and ollie turned up half cut oh, and no. um <laughs> It's not good enough, is it? Let and also, down. when you know when you're in school and you're looking at, you're getting told off and you can't stop laughing mm. whilst you're looking at. Yeah, it was basically that we were just couldn't stop laughing. It was really disrespectful. <laughs> to be oh, it was quite traumatizing. Dear. But the whole weekend was really nice. We learned the practice, but it's quite hard having a mantra. I've, I've, I think I still remember it, but I haven't used it in a long time. Yeah, I mean that, that was that was the the weird thing about this this uh, Buddhist monastery. Um, 
it was not fun. And hilariously, we had a massive argument over an apricot energy ball, which is a completely different story. But, you know, when we're supposed to be meditating, we were arguing about an energy ball. But anyway, after that, I, I did feel, um, you know, and we, it was probably kind of, you know, two and a half, three days. I just did loads of meditation all day and going to bed at six in the evening and that kind of thing. I did feel a sense of real stillness and s- slowing down. I did feel good, even though I hated it during it. So something worked, I think. I think it's, it's hard to even imagine that now. I couldn't think of anything I'd least rather do after four weeks or three months of confinement to then go and sit and talk yeah. about plain... Well, not even talk, think about plain rice and be told that you can't even think about plain rice. <laughs> well, look, I, w- I want to quickly just... Um, whilst we have you, I guess, uh, part of the brief was to ask for three hacks... We've covered quite a few. Unless you have three that you've that you've memorised that you want to give us, um, feel free to do so now. Yes, I will. Oh, fine. Okay, um, the first hack I'll come up with is I'm making this up, but this is Good. some stuff that I use, um, and this is specifically for dealing with lockdown. Um, the first hack is if you're feeling anxious around coronavirus or family members or just the fact that you're cooped up in the middle of the nowhere you can try some different supplements one that i've been taking at the moment is l-theanine have you guys tried that no i think i have l-theanine l-theanine i don't know go and dig it out go and dig it out and have it on an empty stomach tomorrow morning or today with some coffee um it's supposed to be a mild nootropic that works very well with coffee Mm -hmm. to stimulate relaxation and creativity and i have found that it takes the edge off very nicely actually so it's a good supplement another one is passion flower which works to increase the gaba levels in your body um second one is the aura ring which um which measures all sorts of different things uh, around your health and wellness it's really good for sleep tracking but it measures things like your temperature your heart rate your heart rate variability your your respiratory rate and they're currently doing a study in uh, an association with one of the top universities in this country based around respiratory rate and temperature and whether that is affected by COVID-19. So they're asking people whether they've had the symptoms and tracking their temperature and heart rate at the same time. It's really interesting. interesting. And, I, and I find that my heart rate variability massively goes up and down depending on what food I eat, whether I've meditated or done yoga in the evening and all sorts of things. So it gives me some great information. I get um, into the whoop bounds. That's brilliant. What's what's that? Which one's that? This was just um, it's basically the same thing that you described, but it's uh, yeah. it's clunky and it's quite annoying. You need to charge it every five <laughs> days, and yeah, it, it it the the benefit I got I got looped in um for or with is that it tells you how much strain you can have uh, in a day. So it just goes right sleep versus exertion of ex of of body, and then it gives you your strain amount. It's bollocks to be honest anyway sorry you're third you're third i don't know that sounds pretty good i I mean to be honest like you know nobody i can almost get away with this ring as a fashion choice not quite almost (laughs) it's it's not too bad yeah yeah it's not too bad and it is i mean you know obviously it's the first thing i check in the morning It's, it's interesting to see your sleep stats third thing is you know obviously diet is fuel at this point in particular it's really important to kind of boost your immunity and eat well um i got into um the histamine intolerance or the low histamine diet about a year ago and it's made the biggest difference to my life. It's just fantastic to the extent that I'm now really enthusiastic about it and I've, I've launched a, a specialist kind of niche blog on it called histamineintolerance.net, which is just amazing. But you can take a little test on there to see if, you're into, if you've got histamine intolerance. Up to 15% of people have it. And if you do and you start eating a low histamine diet and taking a few of the supplements, it's just amazing how much better you feel and you know we talk about energy i've got a lot more of it since since learning about that that's really interesting and i guess histamine being anything that you're allergic to it kind of helps you kind of like reduce inflammation and that kind of stuff exactly so a lot of foods provoke a massive histamine response and some foods are very high in histamine the really gutting thing is that the highest histamine thing in the world red wine I thought so it would difficult. be. I'm yeah. really unsurprised to hear that because some people just go, I think I'm allergic to this. I get so, yeah. You know, they say brain fog is this, is a sign of a histamine reaction or some sort of reaction. Yeah. I, I think because, you know, I feel like when you go on keto, you, you feel clearer and your body's having yeah. less of an, I don't know, inflammation. But red yeah. wine, no matter what, every single time if I have it the next morning, I'll feel like really hungover. Even I wrote a blog on, on the red wine on, on the histamine intolerance site. And um, there's a few things you can do. One of the things is um, you can dip this wand into the wine that takes the sulfites out. 
supposed to be very good, but I haven't tried it. What I have tried is the world's purest alcohol, um, which is Tito's Vodka. I wrote a blog on that as well. Okay. Um, it's quite expensive. It's, it's punctually expensive, but they distill it a million times and they only use the purest ingredients. And uh, the, the purification process is supposed to be so good in the filtration process that it's very pure. And I have to say, the hangover is pretty minimal. So Tito's okay. is quite good. Yeah. This is all great news. Where we get it? Can you get that online? I fancy getting that. <laughs> yeah, give it a go. Give it a go. I tell you what, it, it, the, the bottle mm. comes with a little kind of tea cosy on it, which is quite good as well. Do you know what? They probably sell it on Amazon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's T I T O. And I think people, if you've got listeners in America, which I'm sure you have, um, uh, your American listeners will probably know more about Tito's. I think it's a brand that people might recognise. Us Brits don't know too much about Tito's, but yeah, it's fun that. It's pretty well, good. It's not yeah. so good if you're teetotal. Brilliant. Um, well, look, and the, the, I want to come and ask you, I guess, a, a stock question yeah. as well, because this, this is our kind of moment to ask you more of a kind of question about reflecting back to a time when you were 21. Yeah. Um, we ask everybody this, whether you are, yeah, as I said, business founder to, yeah. uh, to presenter to co-host on a podcast um and the question is if you were in a room with a big megaphone and a room full of 21 year olds uh and you were given a chance to give any advice through this megaphone what what would it be to the the younger generation what would you say into that megaphone mr tony whiten the stage is yours i would say um to all you 21 year olds out there Right now, you're in lockdown, and that must feel so painful because uh, when I, at this time, at this exact time when I was 21, I was looking forward to my last term at university when I worked really hard for about three weeks and then had the most hedonistic best two months of my life, and you're missing out on that, which is really gutting. Um, so, I mean, uh, I hear your pain, and try and make use of the time. Don't be too hard on yourself. And remember that a lot of really kind of motivated people feel like they have to do a lot in terms of kind of routine and um, achieving loads during lockdown. You might be one of those people, but actually you can often achieve more by doing less. So go easy on yourself and enjoy this time. Try and make the most of it. And hopefully you'll, you'll uh, go back to being hedonistic when you're 22 again, because that's, it's a painful time. You know, I, I, we, we have a baby. So for the last year, we've not been going out that much anyway. And we yeah. have got used to a slightly quieter life. We've also got the three of us now, not two. So there's a little bit more company. It's very, very hard if you're 21 and stuck at home. Yeah. It's not going to be like that forever, but, um, but yeah, it's difficult. So I don't know if that was the most profound advice, but I have no, been it's thinking really about... Yeah, I think certainly when I was 21 and at university, that really was the best few months of my life. Yeah. So um, I yeah. think I think oh, that's it's actually... all downhill from here. That's my advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was contextual as well. It's yeah. very, yeah. very, very. We relevant. never had someone loop it to now and to then. It was brilliant. Yeah. I think that we never actually have anybody say really enjoy the hedonism because I think uh, when I got to 25, I reckon, it was when I became yeah. peak self-sabotage, self -sabotage, but self-loathe, I think. Yeah. You kind of, you beat yourself up for having so much fun because you look ahead of you, people that are 35, 36, and they're very serious and they're almost judgmental on your lifestyle now. Um, so I think I, I couldn't say it any better, go and enjoy those times because at some point yeah. you'll be staying in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, I mean having the chance to think about it a little bit more just there when I was 21 I then left university and I was very determined to work in radio and um uh I allowed myself months of hedonism and then I and then a kind of switch went on I was like right it's time to, to it's business time and I was extremely single-minded and thorough about writing to every single radio station and asking them for work experience. And loads of them got back and offered it to me. Wow. You know, and then and it, I, I was just very single-minded about it. So hedonism for quite a long period of time and then single-minded determination to kind of get into radio because that's what I wanted to do. I love that. I love the extremity. I think that's um, definitely... Well, it's probably, it's probably not a recipe for life success, but yeah, that was, a, I don't know, I that was me. It definitely it, is in those years, isn't it, though? And then it gets to balance, yeah. you know. Y yes, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. Amazing. 
Well, look, mate, thank you so much. This has been brilliant, um, having a good old natter. And uh, for yeah. anybody that doesn't And thanks know, for you guys as well. I really like the approach to kind of, you know, um, acknowledging the, the downtimes in life and, and, you know, not glossing over the fact that everything is perfect. I think that's really great and really important. And as you say, some people in this space do seem to... Uh, the, the Mark Wahlberg, you know, cryotherapy at two o'clock in the morning kind of vibe is, is not mine. And I know it's not yours either. And I really like that. Thank you. That means a lot. We, 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 I think um, as we grow, it seems to be definitely the, what the brand is about. And it's as much as it's celebrating hardships is also, you know, taking learnings from people like yourself that have learned, you know, all the hacks and all the wonderful things that we haven't got to. So I really appreciate you coming on and giving us some of those. Um, and yeah, I guess for anybody that doesn't know, they can they can find you on the Zestology podcast, which is on I believe all podcasts um, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everything else. Um, I imagine you'll be on TV quite soon. When can we see you live with a with a more well done do? Uh, when are you next? Well, on? That's that's that is the um, that is the the big unknowable. How my hair is going to look? But say uh, <laughs> I was on on Monday. I'm on I'm on at some point next week. But you know it's it's such a, a scaled down service at the moment that normally I do three days a week at Sky, and at the moment I'm just on one. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's nice to have a little bit more time at home. But I'll be on next week anyway. Yeah. Brilliant. As you well, timed out, Ollie. For anyone, that's not Ollie, Ollie's timed out. Oh no, is there? Am I there? I'm there. Sorry, yeah. Well, yeah. But for anybody that I guess the good thing, the good news about you not being at Sky so often is that you'll be out there picking up more hacks that they can find on your newsletter, uh, which again you can sign up to on TonyWriting.com, I believe. Cool. I think my mic's going. Can you hear me? I I think um, let's try and end it, mate, because your uh, connection's gone. Yeah. Yeah, struggling. Yeah, to okay. Well, look, thank you so much, Tony. Um, I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's been great to chat. Thanks for asking me. I Thanks, really appreciate Tony, it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, let me know what you want me to do with the audio. Uh, probably Dropbox or something is easy for me to do. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been nice to chat. Let's do it again. Thank you so much. We will Cheers, do. Tony. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Cheers, All Tony. right. See you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to follow us on our socials, at The Dog Days Pod. Leave us a comment, let us know what you think, and we'll see you next week. It's not a